Hello and welcome to Stuck in the 90s. We are your weekly nostalgia podcast chronicling the years 1990 through 1999. We're your hosts. My name is Chris Elphick. And this is where you would normally be hearing Connor's voice. As we said last week, Connor's gone to Colorado and I am going camping in about 12 hours. So scheduling has been tough. Mountain time. What's the deal with that? Um, time zones, I guess we don't work well with them. So we've decided to get creative. Maybe you know all this already, because what we're doing is we're splitting the episode in half. Uh, I'm going to record half, Connor's going to record half, maybe you've already heard Connor's half, maybe he put his first, who knows? But don't fear, if you, uh, if you're missing Connor's voice, you will hear him soon, or you've already heard him. Anyway, let's jump right in. Uh, We are doing May 28th to June 3rd in 1992. Starting with May 28th, the United Nations Security Council Resolution 757 imposes economic sanctions on Yugoslavia in an effort to end its attacks on Bosnia and Herzegovina. Man, I'm bad at pronouncing things. Dang. Anyway, moving on. Bush grants favors to large donors, study contends. Uh, Common Cause, a political group, uh, alleges that such actions are similar to the favoritism that existed during the Watergate era. President Bush has granted numerous government favors, including regulatory relief and import-export assistance. Gotta love that import-export. To business leaders who contributed $100,000 or more to his last presidential campaign, according to a study released on Wednesday. Common Cause, a citizen's lobby, conducted the study alleging, among other things, that Bush was responding to a request from several large donors in California earlier this year when he released 326 billion gallons of low-cost federal water from the Central Valley Project. (sighs) Ah... You know, that's what I love about, you know, the early 90s. You could just, uh, there was, you know, political favoritism. That was, uh, that was still something that was frowned upon. Pay to play. Uh, now it's, uh, now it's par for the course. Um, that is the, the golf course in which you'll be spending most of your weekends if you're, if you're in the big office, if you're leader of the free world, as they say. Anyway... Let's move on to May 29th. We've got some more exciting news here. Apple to give the first public look at the Newton. On Friday, Apple Computers Inc. will take the wraps off its first entry into what its chairman, John Scully, predicts will be a $3.5 trillion industry combining entertainment, communication, and computing with digital technology. Dubbed Newton, the pocket-sized, pen-based computer is the first completely new product introduced by Apple since the Macintosh back in 1984, uh, the first created since the departure of Steve Jobs, the co-founder. So this is... uh, The Newton was a huge failure. It resembles what we know as, I guess, an early Palm Pilot or even a much more distant ancestor of a modern tablet. This was basically the iPod or the iPad's grandfather, and yeah, it was it was garbage. And without Steve Jobs at the helm to sort of steer things in the right direction, probably among other things, the Newton was ahead of its time, and it sucked. Anyway, um, May thirtieth. This is kind of weird. 
There was a TV show that premiered today, and it was simply called Julie. And we kind of had to take a deeper look into this. Uh, Julie is an American sitcom. It was starring Julie Andrews. It aired on ABC from May 30th to July 4th this year, so uh, a little over a month. Julie Andrews starred as Julie Carlisle, a television personality who marries a veterinarian, Sam. Julie, along with her new husband and stepchildren, relocate to Sioux City, Iowa. <laughs> the series chronicled her new life in coping with a career and family and was largely panned by critics and subsequently canceled after only six episodes due to low ratings. I wonder why. Um, I didn't expect that from Julie Andrews. Really didn't. The series was broadcast in the UK on Channel 4 during Christmas of 1993, but has yet to be repeated in either the US or the UK. Uh, man, this sounded like a gem of a terrible show. Alright, let's move on to May 31st. We've got an article today called Uptown Rats. Vegetarian rodents that prefer the suburbs have settled in some of Orange County's nicest locations. Rats in squeaky clean Orange County... The four-legged kind? Yes. About two and a half million of them. About one per person. They're not your grimy New York alley rats. This variety, the roof rat, is better suited to the Orange County lifestyle. That is, it's slimmer, more active, hardly ever eats meat, and prefers the best neighborhood. You know, I'm glad to see that. Uh, the 90s, I think, were were a pivotal time for, for rats and rodents in, in general. We had things like... Um, Biker Mice from Mars, and and Splinter from, from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. This really helped elevate the standing of, of rats, rodents, and things like that in in the general public's eye. Uh, the, the, the 90s are really a good time for, for rats, uh, and, and I like rats. Hamsters, uh, fuck. I think I've mentioned this before, but in the 90s, I really wanted one of those habit trail tube systems and hamsters but i wanted to go i wanted it to go through my entire house like those series of tubes that you put mail into um at like banks or something i, I whatever they were used for that would have just been really cool to have like a hamster thing going through my entire house i mean i of course didn't think about the mess it would make or anything like that but yeah that would have been pretty cool Ah, good stuff. So the 90s were a time when rats were moving up in the world. Orange County rats, welcome to the OC. Rats? Um, man. Seth Cohen in rat form. Let's think about that for a minute. Anyway, let's move on. We're into June now. The United States Air Force Strategic Air Command is disbanded and replaced by the United States Strategic Command. Ah, uh, that U.S. AFSAC. You know, there's something about U.S. Uh, military organizations with their acronyms and and then just spelling them out. Something kind of neat. Ooh, also today, fire trucks collide on the Lower East Side. Two fire trucks on the way to the same fire on the Lower East Side of Manhattan collided yesterday afternoon, injuring 11 firefighters and two bystanders. A spokesperson for the fire department said all injured were taken to hospitals and all except for one firefighter who was being held for observation were released. I don't know how two fire trucks collide. Um, that almost, I wonder if they caught fire. Is that is that a thing that could happen? Who knows? Let's get moving on, though. On June 2nd, Space Junk may alter NASA's plans for a station. 
A growing, this is all caps, a growing jumble of space junk could force NASA to wrap critical parts of its 350-foot space station in heavy shielding to protect the crew and equipment, a trade publication reported yesterday. Such shielding would probably raise the cost of space station freedom, which is to be assembled piecemeal beginning in 1995 or 96 and be permanently manned by the turn of the century. Its construction is estimated at 30 to 40 billion dollars space station freedom that would have been an interesting name uh i i guess i do like the more utilitarian international space station it's also a little less american and a little more welcoming to the entire world how long until trump changes that name i don't know the american space station or who knows june 3rd we're gonna finish off the week um with just a little bit of news that presidential candidate bill clinton appeared on the arsenio hall show today and sits in with the house band on saxophone that was one of the defining things about bill clinton uh prior to Lewinsky, I guess. Just the fact that he was such a saxophone playing smooth motherfucker. He, like, it was in the fucking theme song to Animaniacs. Uh, if you don't remember, it's just um, while Bill Clinton plays the sax, we're Animaniacs. It's crazy. Anyway, that is your news this week. We're gonna move on to movies and music uh, eventually, later on. So we're just going to kind of cut the podcast in half. Connor's going to be covering movies and music. And then we're both going to be doing kind of a mini spotlight. Just uh, something a little 90s that means a little something to us. So movies and music will be handled by Connor. But I would be remiss if I didn't mention at least a couple of the movies that are playing this week. There is some good stuff. Opening this week, we've got uh, Sister Act, and I I can't not talk about that. This is such a good movie. Sister Act is amazing. I think one of the reasons I like Sister Act so much is, well, going out on on an unpopular note here, I like Sister Act for the music. Um, I don't think anyone's ever said that before, but but for real, uh, parodies of songs, I think for both me and Connor. Connor would be backing me up on this right now. I'm just gonna, I'm speaking for Connor right now. Parodies mean a lot to both of us. Connor was a huge Weird Al fan growing up, and uh, just, you know, um, some of the, some of the takes that they do on, on songs, you know, my lord, talking about my lord, uh, um, sister act, whoopee, fuck, I love it. Uh, last thing I want to mention before, uh, supposed to be just sort of grazing over uh, over movies is Encino Man. Uh this is one of the one of what I consider a good Polly Shore movie and more importantly it introduces Brendan Fraser out into the world as of course the Encino Man from Encino, California from ancient times. Fuck, Encino Man is awesome. Anyway, that is just my grazing over over movies. Uh, Connor will cover both movies and music, and I'm going to move on to, I guess, I guess my spotlight. I'm going to do things a little differently uh, for my little mini spotlight, and I am going to talk about an episode of Star Trek uh, that aired this week. Um, since things like Seinfeld, things like The Simpsons, they have generally ended by now. Uh, Star Trek was still going strong. There was, uh, this episode airing on June 1st, and then one more the next week, uh, finishing off season five, which is, in my opinion, the peak of Star Trek The Next Generation. 
This episode is called The Inner Light. This is a different episode compared to the rest of the series. If you... A lot of people say, oh, if you are looking to get into Star Trek, The Inner Light is definitely an episode to jump in at. I don't know if I agree with that because it's so different. It's also so good that I would say maybe start with a more regular episode and work your way up to something like this. Watch it chronologically. If you can get through seasons one and two, which are kind of bad, it picks up. And I think this episode is the peak of the series. And that's a very popular opinion. The Inner Light is uh, generally praised as one of the greatest episodes in the series. Basically, in this episode, an alien probe uh, approaches the Enterprise and forces Picard into a coma. He wakes up on an alien planet where none of them have ever heard of the Enterprise, Starfleet, or even alien life. He's told that his name is Cayman. He's like an iron worker. And eventually he just starts to begin to live his life on this planet. I don't want to go too in-depth. Um, for something that aired over 20 years ago, I'd still like to keep it a little spoiler-free. If you're thinking about getting into Star Trek, if you, are, if you want to dip your feet into another classic 90s series, or if you already know Star Trek, this is, this is the pinnacle of it, I think. Um, in, and Star Trek season five in general is iconic. And I've talked about this before, but the nineties, the nineties were a time, the early nineties, especially where I wish I was a little bit more sentient, if you will. People watched Star Trek. One of the, one of the things that I remember hearing is between, I think seasons two and three or three and four, uh, which ended on a cliffhanger. Patrick Stewart was driving down the Pacific Coast Highway, and a family of people accosted him because they have to wait until September to find out what happens. And that's just a crazy, a crazy thing that the public in general could be so engrossed in Star Trek that uh, it feels like it meant something. I remember sometime in probably 96 or 97 seeing TV Guide magazine in a convenience store, and on the cover was Seven of Nine, uh, the Borg, and it was... The world was coming to terms and grasping that there would be a Borg crew member on Star Trek, which is just mind-boggling to me, because these days, no one really cares about Star Trek too much. And it's a time I really would have liked to live in. I'm very glad that things like Star Wars have mainstream popularity, but Star Trek, uh, it just isn't quite there. Anyway, uh, that's my mini spotlight for this week. Uh, I'm very interested to see what Connor has to say in his uh, in his mountain Airbnb. Um, he said he's going to mention something about the 90s and something about Colorado. I'm interested to see how that comes together. Um, the 90s in Colorado. Oh, you know what? I'm thinking, I'm thinking ski gear and like really shiny, shiny jackets and stuff like those blue and pink things. Anyway, that will be, uh, that'll be left to Connor really soon. Last thing, you know, neither of us really discussed a sponsor this week, um, but fuck it, we're doing it live. This week, Stuck in the 90s is brought to you 
by the feather in Super Mario World. Now, if you ever played this classic Super Nintendo game, you remember as soon as you got to the Donut Plains, you were greeted with something new. A Koopa that can fly. Now, if you jumped on his head just right, and the right ones, he would explode, and a feather would fly up from his body, and this was probably the most overpowered piece of equipment in all of Mario history. This cape would allow Mario to run and fly, and... In a way, if you were adept enough at using this feather, you could fly indefinitely until you hit an obstacle, until until the level ends, you could fly almost indefinitely. And this is this was just a, a power, a powerful tool when trying to beat Bowser, when trying to get through those Koopas. Fuck, the feather was amazing. And we here at Stuck in the 90s would like to bring give a a, a a really good shout out to the feather and just tell it, teaching us and telling us how uh, how important stepping on a Koopa's head can be. Sometimes they just die. Sometimes they turn into a shell. But sometimes they give us wings. They teach us how to fly. And I hope the feather in Super Mario World helped you fly towards some of your dreams. I'm going to leave all of the housekeeping to connor you know all the finding us on our website our twitter uh so i'm just gonna hand things over possibly to him now uh maybe you've already heard all our stuff anyway next week we are hoping to be back together in one place we will be doing a more traditional podcast um let us know what you guys think this might be uh this might be a different episode anyway for now the podcast is now to be continued probably by connor because I think that I'm stuck in the rocky... No, I'm just kidding. We're not, we're not doing that. Welcome to the second half of Stuck in the 90s. What a very exciting podcast. Very off the cuff. Couple of things I'd like to get into before diving into my half. First, Herzegovina is pronounced Herzegovina. Second, I do love me a good parody song. I feel like Chris spoke accurately for both of us. And that's good that we're on the same page, because we are now diving into the weekend box office. In the number one spot, Lethal Weapon 3. Pretty good one. Pretty okay movie. Almost grossed $100 million on a budget of 35, so that's pretty impressive. Uh, as you know, Sister Act is on the list. We have Alien 3 on here, obviously Encino Man starring Brandon Fraser. Mini sidebar, little bit of 90s news now, Brendan Fraser is still, as far as I know, not in the remake of The Mummy, and therefore uh, that movie will not be seen by me. Not into it. Can't do it. Also on this list, we have Basic Instinct, Beethoven, definitely a, a, a crowd favorite, if not, you know, a family favorite at the very least. Um, Beauty and the Beast is on here, White Men Can't Jump, featuring What's-His-Name from Rampart, um, my Cousin Vinny, Wayne's World, Fern Gully, the single saddest cartoon movie of all time, also on here. Uh, very exciting weekend at the box office. Looking at the Billboard 200 sidebar, in case you're wondering why I'm rushing, my laptop has 15% battery life. There's a time limit on this sort of thing. So, diving into the Billboard 200, in the number one spot, we have the Southern Harmony and Musical Companion by the Black Crows. Uh, totally crossed out by Criss Cross is on here. Let's just talk about the good ones. Um, Blood Sugar Sex Magic by the Chili Peppers. I think this was also 
the the first Chili Peppers album that I'd listened to. Ooh, in albums I actually own. Classic Queen by Queen is at number seven here. Uh, what else? ZZ Top's Greatest Hits is at nine. That's a pretty good one. And let's close it out with... Ooh, Nevermind by Nirvana at number 15. Ooh, just kidding. 17, Off the Deep End by Weird Al. See, we appreciate parody songs. I absolutely cruise through that. I think we've been courting for like a minute and a half here. Okay, spotlight time. Near and Dear to My Heart is a TV show that growing up I had nothing but disdain for. And that television show is Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman featuring Jane Seymour. I hated Dr. Quinn. Like, I can't overstate this enough. I could not stand this damn show. But my mom used to love it. She would put it on. And I, I think I've told you guys before, uh, but our family had a computer. It was in the dining room. If you were on the computer, you had no say over what was on TV. So very often, while I was on the computer waiting for dial-up things to, you know, actually load on the screen, Dr. Quinn was on in the background. However, because of how often I had to watch the damn show, I became invested. I know all the characters. I know all the all the plot lines. It's it's so oh god, it's like it's burned into my brain. So we come out to Colorado and I see Colorado Springs. We drive in through Colorado Springs. Do you know what I have not seen in Colorado Springs? The town in which Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, you know, is? I haven't seen any swag. There's no Dr. Quinn swag. None. And it's kind of upsetting. I wanted to buy some for my mom. Maybe I would have bought a replica Sully Axe. Maybe I wanted, I don't know, like one of the big old timey needles that uh, Michaela Quinn used on one of her, you know, dying Wild West patients. Who knows? But the fact remains, no one appreciates Dr. Quinn. And that is upsetting because for what it was, it was a pretty good 90s show, if you were into that sort of thing, which at the time, I certainly was not. Yeah, that's that's about all I got for you. So, yeah, thanks for tuning into the episode. I will get this uploaded probably Sunday night. I have 3% battery now, so if this gets up Sunday, then a series of good things have happened. Otherwise, we will catch you next week for a more regimented and regular episode. Oh my god, I got so close to actually finishing the show and my laptop died. Alright, you can find us online at stuckinthe90spodcast.com. We are on Twitter at SIT90s. We're on Instagram at stuckinthe90spodcast. I swear, once I get back in the country, I'll upload some things. I've got some pictures. I'll show you some stuff. Um, otherwise, if you'd like to be a $10 sponsor, hit us up. Our email address is stuckinthe90spodcast at gmail.com. I think that's about it for the housekeeping. I have no idea what week we're doing next week, but rest assured, it will be a week in the 90s for now. However, the podcast is now over.